Thank you, Alyssa. Friends, the Lord be with you. It is great to be uh, in worship with you this morning as we recognize that today is a resurrection day, that we have been called out of darkness and into light to worship Jesus Christ, the one that we love the most. And I want to thank you for the invitation to be here this morning. Um, Pastor Mike uh, DeRyder is a dear friend and a brother in Christ. We have partnered together on many fronts, um, one of those being Faith Walking and Ritter, and uh, Pastor Mike is also helping me uh, with some uh, Christian Reformed Church and Reformed Church in America collaboration to better see innovation and collaboration among our churches. So it truly is a joy uh, to be with you. Um, as Alyssa uh, mentioned, uh, I am the Chief Ministry Officer for the Reformed Church in America, and basically what that means is this. We have a 15-year goal called Transformed and Transforming. Um, and under that, we are stewarding a number of ministries uh, from local mission to global mission to women's transformation and leadership. I know that my colleague Liz Testa uh, was here a couple of weeks ago and uh, shared a wonderful day uh, with the sisters here at Midland. Disability concerns, um, advocacy and cultural agility, all of these I get to steward with a great team at the RCA, and I'm deeply grateful to, to have your partnership in the gospel. Um, so to that end, will you, will you pray with me as we center our hearts on, on God's word this morning? Lord, may your word be our rule, your Holy Spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our single concern, in whose name we pray, amen. Annie Dillard, in her book, Teaching a Stone to Talk, writes this. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or, as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Well, today is one of those days. Today is one of those crash helmet-wearing days because I think the story that we're about to enter is just one of those stories. Now, if you don't mind, I want you to rewind with me before I read the word for today. Rewind with me for a little bit of context. Acts chapter 3. The crowd in Jerusalem is all stirred up. At the entrance of the temple, Peter and John encounter a lame man who for 40 years was carried to the gate called Beautiful, where this man would sit each day begging for money. And on this day, at three in the afternoon, the power of the risen Christ through the apostles Peter and John seized the man, healed him, and now, says the Bible, he walks and leaps and praises God. And he clings. Acts chapter 3 says, this man clings to Peter and John. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this vision. Don't we all want to cling with those who've been with Jesus? The witnesses to this healing event stand dumbfounded. Peter, the one having anything to do with Jesus, denying him in a courtyard 
at one time now opens his mouth in that same courtyard and he addresses the crowd. He starts this way. Oh, Israelites, he says, why does this take you by such complete surprise? And why stare at John and I as if our power and our piety made this man walk? And then Peter begins to proclaim Jesus, only his second sermon, and it begins with the God of Abraham. Now, I want you to listen with me to what happens next. If you're following along in your text, this is Acts chapter 4, one through, um, verses 1 through uh, 21. When Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, all of who were from the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, and to all the people of Israel, that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, What will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But... Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all of them praised God for what had happened. 
Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Crash helmets, I think. The crowd is amazed. Did you hear it? And gospel writer Luke, true to his intentions on providing an orderly account, read Acts 1, verse 1. He says, I want to provide an orderly account. Luke, here, provides us all of the details for this story. The priests and the Sadducees, along with the captain of the temple, see and hear this Jesus Christ of disturbance that Peter and John are making. And Luke says they are much annoyed. Much annoyed not only because of the healing of the lame man, but because they are teaching and preaching that in Jesus Christ, there is resurrection of the dead. So they arrest Peter and John. They put him in prison. But wonder of wonders, you can arrest the messenger, the messengers, but you cannot arrest the message. Did you hear it? Luke says, but many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. Well, the next day is like a modern courtroom, and a trial will take place. Imagine this with me for a moment. On one side are are the rulers, the, the scribes, the elders of Jerusalem, with Annas and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, who Luke tells us they are all from the high priestly family. And on the other side stand Peter and John, uneducated and ordinary men, C students at best. A deja vu moment here, I think, for Peter and John. Jesus, their rabbi, tried at this very place. Would they be handed over to death like he was? Is history repeating itself? Does everything that happens to Jesus also happen to those who follow him? Well, a voice of one in the assembly cuts the silence. By what power or by what name did you do this, Peter and John? And echoing in Peter's mind are the words of Jesus. He says, Peter, when they bring you before the authorities... Do not worry about what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you, will bubble up within you at that very hour what you are to say. Well, this was that hour, friends, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, opens his mouth and he says, Let it be known to you that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus, whom you all crucified but whom God raised from the dead. He preaches the stone that the builders of this nation rejected has become the cornerstone of hope for the future. Friends, there is salvation in no other name given among mortals than the name of Jesus Christ. And when the council witnessed this unashamed boldness of Peter and John, recognizing, putting two and two together, 
that these same heralds of the gospel were uneducated and ordinary men. The Bible says they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. If you don't mind my asking, who in the courtyards of your life would recognize you and recognize me as a companion of Jesus? Peter and John, now after the resurrection miracle, are unleashed into the world to be powerful agents of the resurrection. Friends, Easter is not just something that happened to Jesus. It also happened to Peter. It happened to John. It happened to us. The council identifying Peter and John as companions of Jesus, along with the reality of the lame man's new legs and his leaping and praising and and jumping around, the rulers could not withstand the, the pressure of the moment. Luke tells us they had nothing to say in opposition. Nothing. I imagine maybe a nervous cough or a clearing of the throat, maybe a, um, wait a minute, uh, they had nothing to say. But then one of them pipes up. He says, Peter and John, we need a minute to discuss this matter. So why don't y'all leave? So they huddle together, and one of them speaks up. Men, this isn't good. This, This Jesus disturbance is on the cusp of becoming a mass movement. What are we to do with them? By what power did they do this? Obviously, Peter and John could not have done this on their own. Someone had put them up to it, and indeed he did. It is Jesus, the one who promised to be with them always, the one whom you all crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Peter and John's claim on the power of the name of Jesus Christ was a direct challenge to the council's own security. Their worst fears were becoming a reality. Maybe this Jesus had actually risen from the dead. And maybe his companions are now healing and teaching and offering forgiveness and the resurrection of the dead in the name of Jesus. Friends, do you have your crash helmets on? The frightening thing is that although the authorities had killed the ringleader, Jesus, his companions were stronger than ever. Friends, this is the beginning of the church. And the resurrection miracle reminds us that a new power has been let loose in the world, a power not limited by the governing authorities. Not even a hundred days earlier, these same priests, this, this same assembly of the elders said to Pontius Pilate about Jesus, this man stirs up the people by his teaching. The authorities did not know what to do with Jesus then when he was in the flesh. 
and they don't know what to do with Jesus now as he stands before them in the persons of Peter and John. Well, the high priestly family acknowledges a notable sign has been done, and it is not the healing that the council doesn't like. It's the speaking and the preaching of Jesus that they want stopped immediately. Listen to the text. So the council called Peter and John and ordered them not to speak at all in the name of Jesus. Silence them. Stop the press. The healing of the lame man is not a stand-alone event. The healing points to something greater and someone greater. Peter knows it. John knows it. And gospel writer Luke knows it. In the original Greek language of the New Testament, the word sozo in verse 9 means healed. It is the same word used in verse 12 for saved. Healed and saved. Sozo. What is this about? It's about this. The healing of the lame man points to salvation. That Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. That there is no other name under heaven by which we are healed, by which we are saved. It is by Christ's power that the lame man stands before them whole. It is by Christ's power that Peter and John make no effort to plea bargain against the authorities. It's the name, the power-infused name of Jesus, which gives Peter and John their boldness. So what would happen? Who or what might get stirred up if we, as followers of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, would utter bold words about Christ crucified, whom God raised from the dead. What might happen on our Tuesday mornings and our Thursday afternoons if instead of calculating our responses, what if we opened our mouth and trusted the Holy Spirit to speak Jesus in the courtyards of our world. For me, surely my silence is not because I don't have anything to say about Jesus. Maybe we lack the boldness to use the name of Jesus because we are afraid of his power in our own lives. Really, look at where it got Peter. A real-life encounter with the risen Christ over a fish fry breakfast on the Galilean shoreline in John chapter 21, and now he is standing in the temple, has a lame man clutched to his ankles while he unabashedly speaks the name of Jesus. And after being warned to speak no more about Jesus Christ, I want you to listen with me to the next four words 
Here's what Luke says. But Peter and John. I love the buts of the Bible. But Peter and John. Unfortunately for the authorities, notes Will Willimon, trying to keep spirit-filled apostles quiet is like trying to hold back a breaking wave. It's not going to happen. Listen to Peter. John and I cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. And these words from the very same mouth who said three times, I do not know that man. I do not know that Jesus. Crash helmets, my friends. Because when we speak the name of Jesus, whom God has raised, the powers that would try to silence us have no power over us. So in the council, and all who were in earshot saw and heard the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and ordinary men, the Bible says they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. They've been with Jesus. What about me? And what about you? Has your life been rearranged by Christ? The prospect of a, of a life-changing encounter with Jesus? Yes, I recognize her. I recognize him. There is something different there. There is something distinct. They are set apart. They have come out of the darkness and into light and are walking in step with the Spirit, Jesus, who promises to be with us always. By what power do you do this? In the name of Jesus Christ, the one crucified, whom God has raised from the dead. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. It is our spiritual food. God, I pray that each one of us would take your word into our very being in order that we may walk it out the door with us. That you, Jesus, would be our guide, would be our Lord in every square inch of our lives that you would pour out your spirit upon Midland Reformed Church. May she continue to embody your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Be with each one of us as we seek to take a next faithful step, growing into living as transformed by you in order that we can help bring transformation to this world. For your glory, Lord, and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, we all together pray. Amen.